Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, a little preseason takeaway edition. I'm Ian Harditz, joining me as always, the one, the only, Dwayne, the Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, our second pod today. We got a third coming up later. later. Great day to be great, my friend. It is a great day to be great. Um, and since this won't come out until later and no one will know, like I can tell you right now, we have pick one tonight. Oh, CMC. We're going to go on CMC. Now. Come on. I'll, I'll do down. it. I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to go CMC number one. All right, everyone. We want to go through key takeaways from the first week of the preseason. Apologies for this pod coming out when it is. We've talked about Canton before, but Dwayne and I have had a chance to go through the snap shares, watch the relevant plays, basically do everything that we need to do to now come tell you guys what we believe are the key takeaways here. So not going to run through every single team. Like, you know, we'll start doing the regular season just because we want to try to save you guys maybe a little bit of time here. Still got some nice weather, perfect chances to go touch some grass, but you know what? That's what headphones were made for anyway, Dwayne. So can still touch grass and get better at fantasy football at the same time. Talk about multitasking there, but on PFF.com, we have Dwayne's fantasy football utilization takeaways from preseason week one. And I will have my fantasy football nine key preseason takeaways up by the time you're listening to this podcast. So with all that said, Dwayne, let's get after it. Starting with Jets franchise quarterback, hopeful franchise quarterback, Zach Wilson suffered a bone bruise and meniscus tear. Fooled a lot of, you know, our fancy industry doctors. Like, it looked terrible, Dwayne. I thought he tore his ACL just from watching it the first time. Did not look good, and now he is going to be out for the rest of the preseason. Week one is still in play. This isn't a season-ending injury or anything, but, man, Dwayne, the way Zach Wilson plays football, I enjoy it because we're better for worse. I think it's entertaining. You know, he's not going to check the ball down. He's going to try to rifle it 20 yards downfield between three guys. Like, what's the better real-life decision? Probably what Mike White does all the time, but I at least enjoy watching Zach Wilson more. For this gunslinger thing to work out, he needs to be able to escape the pocket. And if we now have Zach Wilson without the mobility – that's not only problematic for him, man. It's problematic for Garrett Wilson, for Elijah Moore, for Corey Davis, for the whole crew. With that said, is there an argument, Dwayne? As Matt Waldman uh, low-key said on a pod we just recorded, the offense does tend to look a little bit better when Joe Flacco is out there. Do you see any scenario where this is actually a good thing for the Jets' skill position players? Well, I think at a minimum, like it could just be a static situation, right? Where we're we're at least stable. I think the thing with Zach Wilson, and, and we agree, like we've talked about him, like it was bad. Like the year one was bad. Like he had some flashes of some good things. But at the end of the day, he was still a rookie. And so there was still this chance, right, that he could come out because people thought Josh Allen sucked, remember? And then all of a sudden he came out and, you know, he made improvements. It can happen. People can get better. So that's the problem. You're not getting that with Flacco, right? Flacco actually may be better than the worst version of Zach Wilson, but we know Flacco doesn't have the ceiling of, well, possibly he could still be this great quarterback. We know who Flacco is. At least Wilson had that potential upside still, even though he played poorly, you know, in his rookie season. So at the end of the day, it's not, I don't think it's going to move ADPs. It's not going to make a big difference. I think the nice thing with Flacco though, is they don't have to rush Zach Wilson back, right? They, they don't have to rush it. If he's going to be some lesser version of himself that can't move around the way they want, maybe they wait a month, you know, maybe they wait six weeks, you know, they can do whatever they need to do to make sure that he's healthy to get back. And I think that's got to be the Jets priority right now, you know, with the pick that they spent on him. Oh, Joe Flacco is going to play until he's like 45. Like he's just on that trajectory where he's going to keep being like a backup who is knows his role. You know, he's just going to be the mentor there and keeps on going. I am looking right now. Shout out to uh Spo track at Joe Flacco's career earnings. And my goodness, Dwayne, do you have a guess? Joe Flacco in 14 seasons has made how much career earnings? Uh, 230 mil. 171 mil, but I'm sure oh, once well, you throw I'll on it, hit the over there. 
Once you throw in some endorsements and uh, you know, all yeah, 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 and all that. All right. Also, we got some very good potential every down handcuff running back news. Now, Dwayne and I did our handcuff tier episode about a month ago, working with the best information we had. And in each of these three situations, we had some questions for the guys. So the three running backs where, and again, this is where we're focused on everyone. It's the potential usage from the preseason with the starters specifically. So like, you're not going to hear us talking much about, my God, look at the way so-and-so was moving out there. Look how good Ty Chandler looked with the backups in Minnesota. We are most concerned with trying to figure out what the actual workload takeaways are because that's better than whatever interns been putting together, you know, the team's unofficial depth chart. So with that in mind, all three of these running backs I'm about to name played 100% of the snaps alongside their team starters with their team's actual starting running back resting. Naeem Hines in place of Jonathan Taylor, Alexander Madison in place of Dalvin Cook, and Khalil Herbert in place of Dave Montgomery. Now, Dwayne, Madison and Herbert were similar kind of stories where Last year, we saw them handle the every down role. We know if they get the touches, they can give us some good fantasy production. But because of the new coaching staffs, we were a little bit concerned, or at least I was a little bit concerned, that they would still have that every down role should something happen to Dalvin Cook and or David Montgomery. It's looking good after one data point. And Naeem Hines, this is a really surprising one for me because we've had the, you know, if I was in a fantasy league, I would draft Naeem Hines, quote from Frank Reich, all the way back in March. And then we're getting the Wentz to Matt Ryan uh, stuff. So I think there is already... Plenty of people drafting Naeem Hines as an RB4, thinking he can give us some PPR standalone value. But even going back before Jonathan Taylor, when it was just Naeem Hines and Marlon Mack, when Mack got hurt, it didn't become the Naeem Hines shows. Jordan Wilkins stepping up and actually taking a lot of the early down work. Naeem Hines' role not really changing, more so like a J.D. McKissick. Man, Dwayne, if all of a sudden we're looking at Hines more like an 11th round Tony Pollard type, I like that, my friend. Yeah, oh, I'm I'm moving um, Heinz up today. Like I'm working, I'm reworking my ranks right now after writing this. And yeah, I mean, a hundred percent, like you mentioned. Um, and the other thing, Philip Lindsay, you know, came in with the second team, you know, offense, you know, on the fifth drive, you know, so, I mean, he was pulled after halftime, so he's gonna probably be, you know, in the mix, you know, uh, Tyson Williams or Tyson Williams, he's back again. So he rotated behind, but there's not a lot, you know, behind, you know, Naheem Hines either. So, and I think the other factor here could be, you know, you also have Frank Reich coming out and saying like, look, we know you can't just win in this league by just running the ball. Yeah. There's still a team that's built to run the ball, but now that they have Matt Ryan, they do seem a little bit more open to also airing the ball out. So I think that's another out for Naheem Hines. You know, um, you know, I think the outs now are one, we know he could, what he can do in the passing game. You could have the Colts actually decide to throw the ball more that gets him on the field more. Number two, they could just be in more trailing or close scripts last year. Remember the Colts, like they had a very, very, very fortunate season with the way that their game script worked out and they were able to lead so often. And so just regression in that alone could equal more opportunities for Naheem Hines. And now we have this new thing, this nugget that we didn't really, you know, we weren't accounting for, which is maybe, if Jonathan Taylor goes down, really Naheem Hines will just see 65, 70%. We know he's not going to see 100%, right? These other guys are going to work in, but now it's in the range of outcomes, right? We could have him out there. I mean, if he's out there 60%, like that's going to be huge, you know, in this offense. So Naheem Hines has to move up boards. Um, you know, in fact, I think you could make an argument now, Ian, he should definitely be going over Isaiah Spiller, should be going ahead of uh, Rashad White, should be going ahead of Tyrion Davis Price. A lot of names were before. It's like, well, what's the point in Hines? We don't, we don't see, we know that the JD McKissick floor is there, but what's the ceiling? I, I think there's now enough data points and there's also enough outs for Hines that I think we just have to consider that maybe there's a ceiling that we just didn't think was there before. Honestly, man, like you taking Rashad Penny or Naeem Hines? 
Oh, I'm probably taking the Heem Hines. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna save. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say Penny, but like, I, I, I honestly, I feel better about Hines in the offense he's in. EP plays into it, but if we're just kind of saying, you know, if we're doing the old Girl Scout question here, James Cook or Naeem Hines? I'm still taking James Cook. Still but James Cook. I mean, but but still, like you're getting to the spot where like maybe that's the tier. Like that, honestly, that'll probably be the tier that I'm about to put Hines into. You know, so he's. I don't know. I might have to keep him like just slightly below that, but you know, because that hunt I've got, I mean, that tier I've got Kareem Hunt, I've got Cordero Patterson. It's all the explosive pass catching down backs. You know, maybe I just need to set a, set aside the fact that I set, I haven't seen Hines really, you know, um, you know, in any sort of extended stretch, like being able to handle carries. That's the only reason I, you know, haven't put him there yet, but I haven't seen that from James Cook either. And that didn't stop me from putting him in that tier. Very fair all the way around. Are you drastically changing anything with Madison or Herbert? I think this is going underlooked. I mean, maybe people just weren't as worried about it as we were. But to me, Dwayne, like Madison is back on the map now as a handcuff that in the right roster build, like I'm fine taking probably inside the top 40, 45 running backs. Yeah, I'm good with Madison. I, I wasn't quite as out on him as you were. Um, but, you know, we we talk enough that it was definitely uh, like seeping into my brain. And I just find myself not taking Madison as much. <laughs> He's still a player that you have to it, you have to know. It's purely a handcuff, right? Yeah. Um, maybe he gets a little bit more work with the new offense, but most likely it's only going to be a situation where, you know, you get to use him if the starter in front of him gets hurt. I think it's probably going to be the same for Khalil Herbert, but... David Montgomery's a lesser back than Dalvin Cook, right? So I think Herbert, there's also still the potential that what if he overtakes Montgomery? What if he carves out carves out more of a role than Montgomery? The other nice thing for Herbert was really playing, you know, long down a distance. He played the two-minute offense. We actually saw him do that last year, different coaching staff, but in the three games that you were without uh David Montgomery. He played all the long down distance. He played all the two minute offense. So despite the fact that Khalil Herbert didn't do those things in college, we've already seen him do it at an NFL level. And so yeah, Herbert and Madison, like I really like them. I think I'll I, I might like Herbert a little bit more because I think he has a slightly better chance, Ian, to carve out a role from Montgomery versus Madison versus Cook. However, if you just ask me which one I would want to own if their starter went down, uh, it's Madison. Yeah. No, I think that's very well put. Interesting quote here from Ron Rivera, who was quoted as saying, Antonio Gibson was never my friend. Okay, that's a lie. But basically, <laughs> it's been the worst week imaginable for Antonio Gibson. Like, Dwayne, we, we've been fading Gibson pretty much the whole offseason. I didn't even think it'd get this bad, though. Like, I was still around to the idea, like, hey, if he keeps falling in around seven or eight, you know, it's different than the RB dead zone being around five. I don't know if it is that different anymore, man. It's worst case scenario brian robinson is looking more and more likely to just really eat into the early down work if he doesn't already own the short down and distance work jd mckissick's role hasn't changed we have antonio gibson legitimately being used on special teams now in training camp like Dwayne, i'm not sure if i've seen this like just evaporate this quickly man like this is brutal for gibson to go out there have the usage go against them and then fumble again after all this going on last year. Like I'm not going to say that fumbles don't matter, but it's not something I like actively make a point to work into my process. Unless it's something we really think can take away from a player's opportunity. Uh, but I think we're at that point, man. Yeah. So, I mean, with Gibson, uh, yeah, we'd already been fading him, um, you know, but at the end of the day, like he still has receiving chops. He still has explosive playmaking ability. So like if he were to get into like, rounds nine and 10, you know, where we're taking similar profile backs, I think it's fine. But Brian Robinson has to move up the ranks at this point. I mean, at the end of the day, 
even before the fumble stuff, we were just out on Gibson because, okay, great. McKissick has passing downs. Brian Robinson is going to probably still the short down and distance work, which is the thing that kept Antonio Gibson afloat last year, folks. Like that was the thing that kept him going. He was the guy that was still in there to score the touchdowns. And those two things are gone. I think people were probably overreacting to the fumble thing. I, I think, you know, what you have is an old fashioned coach here. Like it's just basically, you know, and training camp's the time to do it. You know, it's just to make your point with the player. Uh, I think it's still going to be a three-way rotation. Um, again, like you don't want to be touching Antonio Gibson around five or six of drafts. I just checked ADP, like over on like ESPN and some of these other sites. He's still going in that range. Like, so I don't know how many drafts that is because I can't see, I can't tell like I can over some other sites where I can see, oh, this is based on the last 50 data points. Have no clue like how those are even figured over on those sites. So I don't know how actionable it is, but he hasn't moved enough. Like he hasn't, he's not falling. And so apparently, I guess he hasn't been moved down the ranks, maybe even on those sites. Maybe he has. But yeah, it's a guy you want to avoid in the middle rounds. If he gets, you know, like round nine or 10, it's fine. I don't mind taking a swing on him because then like he fits the profile that I like. And if something happens later in the year, all of a sudden you really could, you know, have a player. I think the biggest and you let me know what you think, Ian, like the best path to Antonio Gibson all of a sudden being this valuable fantasy commodity would be if J.D. McKissick went down. If J.D. McKissick went down for the season and you still have Brian Robinson getting half the work, Gibson gets half the work, but he picks up the passing down work, then all of a sudden I think you're looking at someone we're probably ranking you know, as a high-end RB2, mid-range RB2, maybe somewhere in there every week, but he could give you that spike week upside. Again, Robinson's probably still going to keep the carries inside the five, and they have a, they have other mouths to feed. Let's be honest. like This offense has improved. Curtis Samuel didn't play last year. You draft Jahan Dotson in the middle of the first round. Um, Terry McLaurin obviously already there. Like There's a lot of other mouths to feed, so I don't know how prioritized Gibson will be, but he is a guy that works downfield. He does the things we like. But to your point, like just don't don't touch him like until it's like round nine or ten. Like at that point, I wouldn't mind having some exposure. Yeah, like if get McKissick disappears, that that's great and that's dandy. It's just not it's tough for us to exactly predict. I, I know, I know. So, but so, he is yeah. talented. Like things can happen. Ta- I still believe Antonio Gibson's talented. I believe right now he's in the doghouse. And yeah. so in the first two years, he has people have also have to remember he's been hurt when he's been playing. You know, he's been dealing with knee injuries and different things. You know, he had the meniscus thing, he had the shin thing with the stress fracture. Like we've never even seen him healthy yet. So I, I don't want to get overboard on on being out of him, like, oh, I'll just never draft him. But he definitely has to fall well past ADP. I, I think the rounds nine through 10 point was a, uh, that's about the spot we should be looking at him at this point. Okay. We do have some running backs that are already hurt though. San Francisco 49ers lead back Elijah Mitchell with the hamstring injury expected to miss the remainder of the preseason is getting the expectation. He will be ready to start the year. I, it doesn't seem assured though. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that he'll be questionable on the week one injury report. And it's going to be our first official pain in the ass of the fantasy season to figure out in his absence. So Jeff Wilson was also not playing. I think I saw somewhere it could have been a personal reason. I'm not sure if it was straight up rest or not. Trey Sermon ended up taking all 11 snaps alongside Trey Lance. Tyrion Davis price was coming in as a distant backup. So just week one of the preseason stuff has plenty to change. We're going to talk more about Tyrion Davis price here in a second, but Dwayne, with Elijah Mitchell, I mean, someone that we haven't exactly been overly high on. A lot of that has to do with TDP and just also moving from Jimmy G to Trey Lance. And we've talked about the impact that mobile quarterbacks have on the entire offense many times. Mitchell, with this injury, is he someone that maybe you're down to buy the dip or just kind of another reason to not get too excited about him this season? Again, just depends on how fall 
on how far he falls. Um, you know, with Mitchell, it's, it's a too nuanced, that, Dwayne. We just need to be TikTok yeah, stars uh, here. Come yeah. on. <laughs> I know, but it, it does just depend on how far he falls. Like, I mean, like, I don't, I'm not going to take him around six, you know, but if he's there in round seven or eight, you know, I, I don't have a problem with Elijah Mitchell. The, the challenge for Mitchell is going to be, we, we know how fickle Kyle Shanahan is anyway. And now he's going to get to watch all these other guys over and over while yeah. Mitchell can do nothing about it. And he could easily just fall in love with Trey Sermon again, right? It could be Tyrion Davis price. It could be Jeff. It could be any of these guys. And so if there's one team where you really don't want to be the dude sitting out and, and while your coach is sitting there, like, you know, getting all excited about the other guys, you know, you're, you're, that meme that you do of the guy. I don't know if he's got the bowling ball or whatever the hell that guy's doing, but like that's, that's Kyle Shanahan, right? Sitting over there whenever <laughs> Trey Sermon is all of a sudden lighting things up. So yeah, it's a player we've already been avoiding. Um, and, and it is a specific situation where like, typically I don't care about a hamstring injury it, it, right now, right now. Like if it's a week out from the season, that's a that's lot more different. problematic. Like to me, like you can rest Elijah Mitchell. You're going to be fine now, but Kyle Shanahan, he just adds a wrinkle to that, man. Always does. Two more running back issues. Actually, three overall. Well, we all know Chris Carson retired with the neck injury. Also have Rashad Penny dealing with a groin, although I think I did see he was back at practice. Kenneth Walker with a hernia is getting the classic, you know, Pete Carroll optimism, but we're not sure where he's going to be out. So I'm going to put, you know, his timeline to come back anywhere from one to 52 weeks from right <laughs> now. So we'll see what happens there. Dwayne, the problem is exactly what we've been afraid of and that we thought was going to happen did happen, where in the preseason game, DJ Dallas and Travis Homer were working as the pass down backs. I mean, look, again, the right build, the right round. Okay, we can then get behind one of these Seahawks guys. But, man, I, I just think it's growing increasingly difficult to even find a best-case scenario. It's an early down back that's probably going to be in a committee if they aren't even 100% on early downs and we know it's gonna be a pass down back and oh yeah the offense is likely going to be terrible like you know we were showing our lovely quad force i gotta look at those freaking running backs in the app i'm guessing you know the entire circumference is freaking nothing compared to a lot of the other guys out there so with the seattle backs Dwayne, like can the price even be right at this point like I've, i want to do like a full fade article and just literally have it be like rashad penny and kenneth walker at this point in time like i don't know man it's it's just getting tough yeah, it is tough. Um, and again, it's it's all about the Travis Homer, DJ Dallas stuff. Like, it's just sickening, right? I mean, this preseason game, it's like you said, it's, it's what we thought was going to happen. So Rashad Penny didn't play. Kenneth Walker got the start. He got half the carries, okay, on an offense that's going to suck. <laughs> it's not going to win many games. It's going to trail all the time. Yes, they have a stubborn coach, uh, but we just don't want early down backs, right, on offenses that are going to struggle because then we, said, we saw Travis Homer come in and get – all of the two-minute offense. He got all of the long down and distance situations with the starters. So this is their plan. And if both backs are healthy, Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker, guess what? They're going to share too. And anyone that tells you that they know which one of these guys is going to get the workload, they don't know. They do not know. It, it, it's going to be a split. One of them, yes, is going to be. A, I would expect Rashad Penny to be ahead of Kenneth Walker. But to, to put a stake in the ground on this offense and be like, well, it's going to be Rashad Penny. He's so good. Kenneth Walker is going to get get out of here come on <laughs> folks like it's just not I, i'm with you I, I don't see the reason i don't know that you, you know me i don't always, there's not many players i just like do full fades on like to me it's always just about hate the adp not the player like you talk about but you know if there if there was an offense where i just didn't really want to touch the running back rotation we just set talent aside just because we're like there's just too much to overcome this is you know this has got to be one of the ones at the top of the list 
And, oh, yeah, they're also running behind uh, Nathan Yonke's 30th-ranked offensive line. So great article from Nathan on PFF.com, looking at a lot of the cool stuff that Eric Eager and some of our interns have been able to pull this summer, you know, with just the different offensive line performances, with having perfectly blocked plays both in the pass and run game. Not looking good, Dwayne. At least they have that uh, touchdown upside. Oh, no, they don't really have that going for them either. But, yeah, other than that, go draft those Seattle running backs. Let's talk about these rookie running backs, Dwayne. And again, First week of the preseason. There is plenty of time for these guys to rise up. With that said, New York Jets running back Brees Hall splitting snaps with Michael Carter to start. I'm just going to run through these at first, Dwayne, and then you can come back and kind of hit on uh, some of the key ones. So Brees Hall is splitting snaps with Michael Carter, looking like a true 50-50 situation. Yeah, we do expect Brees Hall to still lead the way, but this really might be a bit more of a Javante, Melvin Gordon, you know, year one situation than uh, people are hoping for, particularly for Brees. With the Seahawks, as we mentioned, Kenneth Walker got the lead without Rashad Penny in that game. But the big story was that Travis Homer was getting the first looks in pass-first situations. With James Cook, he was rotating with Zach Moss as Devin Singletary rested. We can live with two back committees. Three is when things get tough. Now, Zach Moss, he could be out of the picture by the time week one comes along. Potentially, just continue to monitor this because it could be tough for James Cook's early season standalone value. Tampa Bay Buccaneers running back Rashad White. Number four running back seemingly at the moment. Fournette rested. Giovanni Bernard got the start. Did hurt his ankle, so keep an eye on that. But it doesn't seem to be too serious. And even Keyshawn Vaughn coming in first. Some good talk, good stuff from Matt Waldman about Rashad White's potential. Uh, long learning curve to become a rusher. Again, standalone value looking awfully iffy. But Rashad White still uh, certainly has a high ceiling as a handcuff. With Terry Davis Price mentioned, he worked after Trey Sermon with Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson out of the picture. He's also looking like a number four running back at the moment. Brian Robinson seems ready to push Antonio Gibson for some early down work. Again, though, this is a three-back committee. I think Brian Robinson, like, yeah, it's okay to move him up a little bit. He would be the if Gibson leaves the picture, like Robinson's ranking is going to boom up a lot higher than McKissick's. So I've always understood taking Robinson over McKissick later in drafts, but you know, the more and more this backfield becomes split, the more the answer to which running back to target just starts to become no Houston Texans running back, Damian Pierce was impressive out there. And he got some nice words from his head coach, Lovey Smith. So like, this is an example of, you know, not to over, overly freak out, but he was still the number four running back. I mean, Rex Burkhead didn't need to play because he's like fucking 45 years old at this point. Marlon Mack had early down work. Dario Ngubawali had pass down work. Still not exactly the toughest depth chart you would think for Pierce to uh, move up into. Hopefully we see some first team snaps as early as this weekend. Las Vegas Raiders running back Zamir White looks like Josh Jacobs' primary backup at this point. We had the confusing Hall of Fame game usage, but Jacobs was back to getting starters rest, as was Amir Abdullah. So right now, if we had to equate this to New England, I would say Josh Jacobs looking like Damian Harris, Zamir White, more so Ramondre Stevenson, Amir Abdullah, the James White, or what's probably going to be this year, Ty Montgomery. Sorry, Stevenson truthers. With the Chargers, Isaiah Spiller behind Joshua Kelly in the competition right now, similar to Rashad White. Like this, to, to me, yeah, I'll probably bump Spiller down a few spots just to kind of stay with the uh, EDP, ADP and take a look at it. But to me, Spiller and White still have sky-high handcuff upside. But right now, this situation, it just brings our early season standalone value into even more question. 
with the Patriots, Pierre Strong working even behind J.J. Taylor. They they rested Damon Harris, Andre Stevenson, and Ty Montgomery. With the Titans, Hassan Haskins rotated with Julius Chestnut. I mean, this is just going to be tough. If Derrick Henry goes down, it's Haskins, Chestnut, and then Dontro Hurd getting the pass down work, the answer to which uh, running back to handcuff behind Christian or behind Derrick Henry might just be no. And finally, Atlanta Falcons running back Tyler Algier, fourth running back to enter the game. I mean, you know, we'll see, Duran. Tyler Algier is a cool guy. He did the uh, – I wasn't in it, but he did the sleeper uh, fantasy draft. So he has a team. He took himself in round 11, which, like, that's awesome. If you're an NFL player in fantasy, how are you not going to – how are you not going to draft yourself? But Quadri- – yeah, he, didn't, he didn't reach. He he actually <laughs> close to ADP. Look at this guy. He actually probably plays fantasy football. Bro, I hope – just keep – Keep at least keep him on the team. That'd be that'd be pretty bad if he uh, didn't even make the team after all I this. I think he but makes the team. I think he makes the team too. But just remember, he's You're a right. fifth round rookie, currently fourth on the depth chart. So still plenty of time to move up. But that's what it is. Which one of these, Dwayne, stick out to you as the most actionable? Like again, w- which one of these are you like actively moving guys down rankings and changing your opinions? And which ones of these are you saying it's freaking sixty minutes of preseason football? Ian, chill the hell out. Yeah, for the most part, it's sixty minutes of preseason football. Um, remember it's the first preseason game running backs. There is an adjustment that a lot of times you may not see them out there with the starters early on because they don't want that. You don't want your freaking starting quarterback blown up in week one of the preseason. So, and there's also just this kind of mentality, right? Of like, Hey, earn your playing time. So I think that's, it's, it's fine. It's week one. If we, if we see this in week two, we see it in week three, I become more concerned, but I think it is enough, right? For folks just to remember, like there's a wide range of outcomes on all these players. So we'd rather see the positive, right? than the negative. So like one that I don't care about at all is the Tennessee thing. Last year we saw them like in that first game, like use Makai Sargent all the time in that first preseason game. So the Julius Chestnut thing, I don't know. It's probably another Makai Sargent thing, right? I, I, my guess is, but but we'll see. Hassan Haskins, not like he was a second round pick or anything. You know, we'll no. see what happens with that. So that one I'm not that worried about. Um, you know, if I look at one where I'm actually gonna, you know, move someone down, um, I think overall is probably just I've got I'm going to be more willing like to look at some of the receivers and things, you know, just, and again, it depends on your roster bill, but you can't help it. You don't feel as confident as confident now clicking on Rashad white. You don't feel as confident now clicking on Isaiah Spiller. You don't feel, you know, and I say Spiller is one because I'm like, man, like Josh Kelly and Larry Roundtree haven't shown anything. Like, Honestly, I, I thought Isaiah Spiller would very quickly take over this job. So I, I'm that one definitely has my eyes open because I don't think he has a lot of competition. Rashad White, Joe Bernard's been a good passing down back for a long time, right? Um, now, Keyshawn Vaughn also played ahead of him in that game, and Keyshawn Vaughn has done absolutely nothing to this point. So, you know, that does worry me a little bit. What I hope, Ian, is that, you know, especially like over at FFPC drafts and stuff like that we've been doing, we see these guys going round nine. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm not taking Rashad White in round nine. I'll just go a freaking different damn direction than having to do that. Like, I'll still pull the trigger on him, like, you know, probably round 10, round 11, depending on the build that we have. Um, Tyrion Davis-Price, like, that one's tough. Honestly, at this point, it's just like, let's just draft Trey Sermon right. <laughs> in round 17. I, you know, I like TDP. We know the the draft capital's there, but just, is, you know, Trey Sermon was a third-round pick last year. So, like, for me... Anytime I'm talking about the 49ers, uh, I think I'm just going to go with the lower guy. I am moving Brian Robinson up because, like, at this point, we just have to – the door is open to where he could just take Antonio Gibson's job, right? Yeah. So I think you have to move Brian Robinson up. Damian Pierce, I don't care. Uh, you know, I watched that. Like, I mean, he looked really good. <laughs> like, yeah. so some of the – and we, I'm sure you watched all these guys. Like, of all the guys that I watched on this list, 
I thought Pierce looked the best. Like when I watched him, I def- I was like, whoa, okay. Like I eyes are open. And then I, I look agree. at his depth chart and I'm like, Marlon Mack. Yeah, Marlon Mack was a nice back, but like he's still bad all these injuries. Rex Burkhead, uh, Agan Bawale. You, know, you like that, Ian? Agan Bawale. Ooh. I know I know you have him down and you could you could you could match me on that one. But I think Damian Pierce is the one that, like, uh, honestly, like after what I saw, I feel more conviction about taking him, you know, where he's going at ADP. I think you do have to move Zamir White up. Uh, so Kenyon Drake falls down the board. I know we didn't, you, you, you touched on him, but Kenyon Drake really seems to be the odd man out. I'm not drafting him anymore. If I'm going to take a, a Raider in the last round of even a 20 rounder, it's going to be Amir Abdullah this, at this point. But Zamir White, I think, deserves to be. He should probably be going in that, you know, 11, around 11, 12 range where all these other names that we've been consistently picking, he should be there. Um, I don't think you can draft Pierre Strong anymore. Like, like, you know, we can always get a chance to draft Pierre Strong later, right? But like, there's just too many other names in front of him at this point. I do have right now on my like little rankings note sheet just to remind myself to who I'm going to move up and down once I get to my next update. Damian Pierce out of all these rookie running backs is the only guy that I'm like, okay, let's move him up here a little bit. So not saying you're not going to tap uh, Robinson up a little bit or Zamir white. Uh, I'm, I am sorry. Uh, Ryan Robinson is also going up Zamir white. I have middling because it's still one of those things where it's just committee. And like, if something did happen to Josh Jacobs is Zamir white taken over or is Kenyon Drake just next man up. So it, I, it'll, it'll still be a three-way committee to your point. But at the end of the day, like I, I think where he's going right now, like he should, be going higher like i definitely want to steer folks like don't wait till round 15 like take him around 14 or 13 like if you need a back but yes with damian pierce lovey smith saying all the right things and it is just week one of the preseason let's see what happens in week two and then guess what we're pretty freaking close to getting actual regular season data that'll make our lives much much easier moving on to some of the rookie wide receivers bit more of a mixed bag had some positives i mean drake london had the minor knee injury which is obviously not a positive but was going out there with the first team certainly expecting him to be featured from day one also saw chris alave and Jahan dotson be guys that again we're just expecting to be out there from day one in their respective offenses pretty much regardless of the formation we did see garrett wilson and Traylon burks you know no everyone's got something bad to say about Traylon burks these days but both of them could not crack the full-time initial three wide receiver sets we did see wandale robinson alec pierce jalen tolbert sky Moore, especially depending on that Miko hardman injury more on that in a second those are guys that could be in the three wide receiver sets romeo dobbs making the most out of his opportunities with christian watson still coming back from the knee injury although he did just get activated from the pup and then we got taekwon thornton Velas jones david bell and danny gray basically just continuing to work in with backups in their respective offenses so real quick on sky Moore because this is interesting and we can kind of take it into our chiefs conversation a little bit juju smith schuster running around on or being out there for all 11 snaps alongside patrick mahomes mbs being out there for nine of them so juju and mbs as we expected being the top two wide receivers in this passing game the me sky Moore thing is where it's interesting so this is the tricky part about just our industry Dwayne, because someone gets hurt in practice and by the time they even make it back to the building, you know, someone's already writing a freaking article like talking about what this means for their fantasy ranks and adjustments and all that. So Miko Hardman did get carded, but it's a groin injury. And I mean, Ian Rapport said like he walked off the field and then jumped on a cart to take him back into the building. Like to me, that's a little bit different than like some guy carted off the field because he physically can't move. So would be nice of would have been nice to get that, you know, kind of at, at the beginning of the uh can, beginning can we of the hit whole some of these. Can I hit some of these as we go? Like once you're just because it makes it easier. Um, like like for me with more, like the big thing, 
is it was already close to you. You hit it perfect. Like MVS. And now this Juju. is huge. Yeah. They were both out there, but at the end of the day, like Sky Moore was already rotating with Miko Hartman, you know, in that game. And so if it's close like that, like I'm just leaning to the rookie. Like I'm going to go with the rookie. And again, we, we, we've liked Sky Moore. We've been a proponent like for Sky Moore. We've talked about, you know, thinking that he's probably, he might be the best chip at cost right now in the Kansas City offense. So obviously maybe there's some bias coming in there for me. But at the end of the day, like that's just the way I look at things. If it's really close between a rookie and a veteran, I think it makes it easy. I'm just going to go, you know, with the rookie. Oh. Good stuff. What else with these wide receivers? Are you really buying? I mean, look, Dwayne, Wandale Robinson, I see that we need to move him up the ranks, but I don't, it's not like I'm drafting him like, oh, let's go, baby, Wandale Robinson now. I like, can't wait to start him in my wide receiver th- three slot. Like, what is kind of our upside case for Wandale? Like, if Kadarius Tony just gets hurt or something? Because Sterling Shepard, while he's not back yet, I mean, I've, I don't think we have reason to believe he's going to be out for the entire. Like, what is our Sterling Shepard update? Because that would be the problem if Shepard comes back and all of a sudden now, like the Wandale Robinson hype train is going to probably just be crashing back to the bench. Yeah, I think I think Robinson for now, like, is just a guy that you know we were getting in round twenty that you should consider in round fourteen or fifteen. You know, okay. I mean, look, he's going to be out there. He's going to be a starter. I think the path, the upside is a Kadarius Tony just can't stay on the field, right? Um, so that could potentially make him, you know, and if, if Sterling Shepard is, is slow to return, uh, that could make him a top two weapon, you know, in the offense. And, you know, I mean, he could definitely, it's easy for these guys to pay off the ADP. The way I look at this, Ian, is, you know, we're drafting all these guys, you know, rounds 12 through 16. Like, uh, I, I want access. I want access to Wondell Robinson. I want access to Jalen Tolbert. I want access, you know, to all these rookies that we can still get late. Um, but like some of the other guys, like Jahan Dotson was the one that like stuck out to me the most. And we've been talking about him just purely based on the fact that like where he was taken in round one, never he's going sense. like, yeah, he was going, you know, four and five rounds after the rest of the guys that went in round one. And so ADP is slowly starting to adjust, but I thought that this was a really good, um, you know, confirmation point that we should really be drafting Jahan Dotson more. He should not continue to slide in drafts. You got to make sure he should be off the board, in my opinion, by round 11 in most drafts. Maybe round 12 is the latest. But I mean, he was out there 100% of the passing plays with Wentz. He played inside. He played, he played uh, inside seven of the snaps. He played outside 15 of the snaps. Um, not a rookie, but Curtis Samuel was also out there, which was just good to see him. He's healthy. Yeah. But it does look like Jahan is locked into the number two. Curtis Samuel played primarily from the slot, 12 snaps, you know, and he was in a route on 71% of Wentz's drop back. So he's a guy that you can take at the end of a draft still. But Jahan Dotson, like, really stuck out to me as being the one that, like, people just have to stop. Like, he shouldn't be going after Jalen Tolbert, right? He's a guy that went higher in the NFL draft. Um, you know, probably is just a more talented player um, and is in an offense where he can be, you know, the number two behind Terry McLaurin. Um, so I, I thought that Jahan Dotson was, like, the big one. Nothing really to say about Alave or London. London, it does sound like he's going to be fine. You know, it just might take a little time. Garrett Wilson um, was another one where we did see Corey Davis start on the outside. And we had, um, you know, obviously Elijah Moore was out there as, you know, the primary guy. He played 100% of the offense with the starters. But Garrett Wilson, you when you look at him specifically, you know, he played, he only played 11% of the snaps while Zach Wilson was still in there. And so it was kind of a weird game log to look at because once Wilson got hurt, they actually kind of pulled a bunch of guys off. <laughs> they were like, oh, crap. And so I don't know. Like, it, I think Garrett Wilson was maybe about to get more run, but Braxton Berrios played 67% of the snaps with Wilson. Only 11%, you know, to Garrett Wilson uh, playing out there with Zach Wilson. So, again, first game, 
talent profile for Garrett Wilson. We want to be buying into it, but man, like we don't need him to be splitting play. We don't need him splitting with Braxton Berrios. Like that won't be good. Like if that's the case, like we need him to beat out Corey Davis, you know, on the outside because we don't expect a lot from the Jets offense. So while I love the talent profile for, profile for Wilson still going to continue to draft him right now like again week one where he's been going but if we see this again like in week two week three I'm going to get a little bit more concerned about Garrett Wilson oh and, and we- Traylon Burks man hit what your thoughts are on him because I, we're gonna have to move him down is my thought like Traylon it, it's the most negative and again it's the drumbeat man it's not just one thing we've just been hearing it bad thing bad thing bad now some of it has been made up but like even when when we parse through that and we find the truth there's enough bad stuff going on around Traylon Burks that, man, I'm just starting to think like he's got to move down boards. Yeah. I mean, I'm certainly not going to prioritize him at this point. Are, I mean, are you going to move him like past? Are you going to move him like right next to Garrett Wilson kind of? Probably. I'm, I, I'm, I, he's still got a better path, I think, less competition. So I would keep him in front, you know, of Garrett Wilson. Um, but, you know, I, I was pretty bullish on him. So part of it is me. Like, I've been bullish on Burks. But, I mean, he didn't enter the game until the third drive in a game I mean, where Robert Woods and other guys weren't playing. And and they made him play into the fourth quarter. And the other problem with this is even, like, he could have showed them, right? He could say, fine, you guys want to keep me out there like this? Watch me ball. He got one target. He only registered one target. Didn't have Dude, it's the Titans. It's the Titans. I, they drafted A.J. Brown. They drafted A.J. Brown. His first game as professional, he goes for 100 yards. And the next week, Adam Humphreys and Tajay Sharp <laughs> were out there over A.J. Brown. That's the thing with some, like, okay. Yeah. To, to me, a lot of this stuff with Garrett and with Traylon Burks, it really impacts my early season thoughts on them. Because, you know, we mm-hmm. no, Dwayne, we're going to be out there setting week one lineup soon and stuff. So as much as we are in draft mode, I'm also trying to look ahead to what to be expecting from week one. And yeah, I do think it's going to take a minute for Traylon to break through at that. With that said, we see this, man, as much as we mock the Justin Jefferson thing, like every time we see it. He wasn't a full-time player until week three in that offense. Like he was losing a lot of snaps to BC Johnson early on. And it's ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It didn't happen that long, but it did happen. Same thing with AJ Brown. He was playing under 70% of snaps until freaking November. So yeah, Brooks is going to go it's down. A tier, honestly, it's a tier thing, right? So it's like, I'm just going to be readjusting the order of the players in the tier, right? They still, folks know how I make tiers by now. Like if you've been listening you know, it's based on criteria that Burks is still going to meet. <laughs> He's just going to be lower. I, I had him at the top of this tier for a long time. So now I'm at the point where, okay, I probably got to move him down two or three spots in the tier. Jahan Dotson needs to come up two or three spots, you know, in the tier. Um, so it, it's really more about that. Like, it's a guy that Burks, like earlier in the offseason, like he was a guy I was willing to get really aggressive with, like in late round seven, right? Round eight. I'm just not going to do that anymore. Still going to be fine. Like, if you want to let, Traylon Burks fall into round nine, you know, I'll take him. You want to get him in round 10? I'll take him. Uh, I just, I can't continue to, you know, probably, you know, be as aggressive with the way that I've been targeting. Any other rookie wide receiver thoughts? You ready to move on? Well, I mean, I figured you got to hit Romeo Dobbs. You are the number one fan <laughs> for the last three months standing. So this is true. All you Debbie people out there, you know, hey, <laughs> you guys can fight for second place in the Romeo Dobbs uh, fan club. That's fine. He looks good out there, man. I do wonder again, though, like, I, I just think, 
even if he like impresses and beats his valuation, I think the pathway for him to be like a meaningful guy that you're feeling good about starting, it's a long way away. I mean, Lazard, Watkins, and Cobb were resting. Like it could just easily be a situation where Dobbs is their wide receiver five, wide receiver six. This would hardly be the first time, Dwayne, that we found a young wide receiver that Rogers seems to like and that seems to flash with their opportunities. And then the regular season comes along and oh, they're not on the field. What's the cutoff for you in um of where basically like for me, it's round 12. Like once you get through round 12 and and you want to prioritize guys like Dobbs, like for your build and you want to take them in round 13, even though someone else tells you to go in round 15, I, I really don't care. Honestly, like I, I can look at, I can look at him and say, well, we don't like the depth chart. Like Randall Cobb hasn't been anything for years. People know where I stand on Alan Lazard. Uh, we've got uh, Sammy Watkins who maybe he could surprise us, but you know, he, you know, hasn't ever really lived up to his billing either. And then, you know, you have Christian Watson, the guy they spent the second round pick hasn't been able to be on the field yet. So like, I get it. Like it's Aaron Rodgers. You got the guy that's actually performing. You want to take him in round 13. You want to take him around, you know, even late round 12 or whatever, that's fine. But that's kind of my threshold. Like if he starts moving up into round 10 and stuff, that's where I start to have a problem. Like once you get past the top 150 and you want to do what you want to do with your roster and you got you guys, you want to put a chip down on. I think it's fine. Just don't get carried away. That's kind of uh, how I feel. Like I have, I was looking at about that rank spot. So, you know, 12 times 12, 144. I have Jamal Williams as my 145th player. And he's like the last guy I see for a while that I'm like ever going out of my way to kind of get on the squad. I think everyone else, yeah, they might have their past to relevance, but I, I like that call. So yeah, round 12, round 13 or so. Go ahead and take your shot on Romeo. In twelve teamers, yeah. Like if you're in round, if you're an eight teamer, you let it let it slide a little bit. <laughs> bump, it, bump it back, absolutely. Gotta quickly pay some bills, everyone. If you haven't heard by now, Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy football this summer. We've all been there in fantasy football leagues. Sunday morning, you're digging through news reports, trying to figure out whether to start your stub wide receiver that tweaked his hamstring last week, or you have a player on your team who hasn't been getting in the end zone, and then one week he suddenly goes off for 30 points on your bench. With Underdog Fantasy, all the stress of who to start each week is lifted off your shoulders because it's best ball format. Draft your teams before the season starts and get the best score in your lineup each week. Right now, you can draft an Underdog best ball mania three tournament to take your shot at 10 million dollars in total prizes plus underdog is going to double your first deposit up to 100 when you sign up with the promo code pff and if you play 10 10 of those dollars using promo code pff you get a free pff subscription underdog drafts closed before nfl kickoff so what are you waiting for head on over to underdogfantasy.com or the app store play 10 dollars with code pff and draft your best ball mania team today also want to shout out to DraftKings. The next generation of fantasy sports is here. Download a DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now. Sign up with promo code PFF. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in to get your first card free. Plus, play for millions in prizes all football season while building the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers Football. That's promo code PFF. Build, play, win. Only at DraftKings. Contest entries dependent on type and number of NFTs held. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. And, of course, shout out to our friends over at Manscaped. Gentlemen, all men strive for gold in their life, right? Gold medals, gold watches, gold everything. However, there's a certain type of man who goes the extra mile. He walks with the confidence of an eagle and giggles in the face of danger. He's a big, hairless, winning machine. And when he unzips his pants, he sees platinum. That's right. Manscaped would like to introduce to you their best and biggest ultimate hygiene bundle yet, the Platinum Pack. It's 4.0. Also, shout out 
Platinum Mike Perry fighting in a bare knuckle championships this Saturday. I will be tuning in. Manscaped is the leader in below the waist grooming. Now trust them with the whole shebang. Join the four million men worldwide to trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF. Manscaped's brand new Platinum Package 4.0 is the biggest bundle they've ever offered, giving you a bulk discount on Manscaped's top products. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code PFF. It's time you enjoyed the finer things in life and get yourself a platinum package for your platinum package. Isaiah McKenzie, Dwayne, the Bills starting slot receiver sure looks that way. He got the starters treatment. Jameson Crowder was out there with the second team. Not a given. We did see down the stretch of 2021 from week 17 through the divisional round, neither Beasley nor McKenzie played even 51% of the snaps because they were rotating. With that said, last three seasons, Cole Beasley, one of only 10 players with at least 100 targets in each of those three years. I was on a, a Fantasy Pros podcast earlier today, and we're using the Fantasy Pros ADP. Makes sense, you know. But he's going as the wide receiver 82 with the Fantasy Pros redraft consensus ADP. He's already up to wide receiver 65 over at underdog. So, Dwayne, I am abs- I'm buying up both those prices, man, and will continue to do so. How high, though, do you think McKenzie could get by week one if we get this role really cemented? Because, man, it's an explosive player in the offense that we love. I'm not out on Diggs or Gabriel Davis, but this is one of the actual offenses where if we have three full-time wide receivers, we can actually expect three fantasy-relevant wide receivers. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, you just got to move him up. <laughs> you should be <laughs> drafting him, you know, around 13, round 14, somewhere in there. I think, you know, round 12 is fine too. Like, you know, it's just the high passing volume that you're getting, you know, with the bills and to your point, like it could change, you know, as it goes, but right now with the data we have, and again, this is another one that's been kind of consistent, right? Yeah. We already had the quote, you know, from the coaching staff basically saying, well, basically Isaiah is just adjusting to life as an every down starter. Okay. Well then now we see him rested like a starter. Um, to me, it seems like it really is going to be Isaiah McKenzie. I would kind of be surprised if it's not him to this point. Crowder could, you know, he could do something, you know, still as well. Like he's a good player. Like, so there's still paths for, for Crowder to challenge. And, and now Crowder probably won't go in most home leagues. And if you're playing in like a, you know, a draft that's got 20 rounds, like I still think taking a shot on a guy like Crowder in round 17, 18 is fine. Doesn't work out early in the season. You want to make a cut, you know, of the player. Okay, great. But if something does work in your favor with Crowder, like you've got a a player on a really good offense, right? So I think you can make a quick call on what to do with Crowder if you draft him. I would note real quick, like Khalil Shakir, like what was nice, like he did start outside. You know, he played 13, you know, of his snaps wide and early in the game when Crowder was still in there, like he was mostly playing wide. Um, Then he then as he left, you know, he rotated into the slot. So he's playing all over the place. They put him in line. They put him in the backfield. So Shakir is another name to keep an eye on right now. You know, he's the odd guy out, but it, it. you know, I could see him pushing past Crowder, you know, as well. And, you know, then that potentially unlocks if Gabe Davis doesn't play as well. If there's an injury, Khalil Shakir could f- suddenly find himself as being a player that we're very interested in in the Bills offense. Quickly, Kenneth Walker had a procedure done, Dwayne. The team is not calling it a sports hernia, though. So take that for what it's worth. And the Packers signed blast from the past. Travis Fulgham out there. Remember that era, man? That like three oh, yeah. week stretch yeah. or Travis Fulgham, <laughs> bro. There's a legit it's like picture. a Jake Kumaro thing. This happened in a real game. Travis Fulgham got thrown a jump ball in the end zone. Ill-advised throw from Carson Wentz. You guys have seen a few of them before. Fulgham goes up against Marlon Humphrey and freaking Marcus Peters comes down with the football with two freaking All Pro cornerbacks at his feet. What a time to be alive. Talking 
now Kansas City running back and wide receiver rooms. We mentioned the wide receivers already. I don't think we need to really go back into that. But yes, Sky Moore, if that Miko Hardman injury ends up being significant, could immediately be in three wide receiver sets. Certainly seems to have a, you know, be on the right path to get there, regardless of Miko's eventual health. With the wide receivers, Dwayne, I will be relenting a little bit and moving Juju up, although I still think that the disparity between him and MVS plus Sky Moore is a bit too high. But yes, Juju, 11 snaps, nine snaps for MVS, four for Miko. Justin Watson was out there for one, but did not get the route. Juju Smith-Schuster, man. Are you taking my head of DeAndre Hopkins, Dwayne? Yeah, I've already been doing it. And I, I mean, I think you just, I think you have to. <laughs> He's probably going to be the starter there week one. Are you taking him ahead the- of Brandon Cooks? Uh, yes. Jalen Waddle. No. Gabriel Davis. No. Alan Ross. Right there, though. Right there. Uh, no. Okay. So, like, High M wide receiver three. That's where we're settling. Yeah, but that's the you what you just named is the tier. That's okay. that's where he's sliding in for me. Okay. I'm cool with that. Isaiah Pacheco, he's for real. How about that? Everyone <laughs> actually got here. Three snaps with the first team offense, two routes, one carry. Clyde Edwards Lair still did lead the way though. Seven snaps, three routes, and two carries. Did have Jared McCain out there, one snap, one route. So Pacheco, obviously, like the Ronald Jones fantasy stock. Throw it in the freaking garbage at this point. But don't get too carried away. And we talk about this with Matt Waldman, Dwayne, so I don't want to repeat too many of the same points. But, man, you mentioned the data from the always great fantasy mojo. Fantastic meeting the man up there in Canton, Ohio. Let's not get too carried away on Isaiah Pacheco. Dwayne, if anything, we should be looking a little bit harder, I think, at the CEH usage and say that, hey, he's someone where in these later rounds, you know, when we're seeing CEH versus Jacobs, Gibson, Miles Sanders. I think Clyde is starting to have a case as if you're going to take a running back in the dead zone, it might as well be Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, again, like it's tough to have much confidence in CEH, but we've talked about it a couple times before. Like he has been playing with injuries pretty much his whole career. You know, then we found about out about the uh, gallbladder issue that he had before the season last year. Um, so yeah, I think he is a player that I look at it and I'm like, man, like, you start looking at the running backs in the dead zone and you start trying to think like, which one, you know, with the question we ask, might I regret <laughs> that I look back and be like, wow, that was staring me right in the face every draft. And I passed it every damn time. And the name that I come up with is Clyde Edwards Alaire. You know, I, I think that is the name where I, I've got to make sure that I at least get a little bit of exposure as much as this whole thing with Pacheco is fun. You know, I mean, he's a seventh rounder. This probably means that Clyde Edwards Alaire, you know, is pretty much locked into being the lead back. Now, I do believe Pacheco's a guy that you can take, you know, in round 12. Matt disagreed. He thought that's, you know, probably more like round 13. My thought process is like in round 11 and 12, a lot of the guys that we're taking in this point, like Isaiah Spiller, Rashad White, all those guys, even though they have the higher draft capital, at this point, we've got enough noise around Pacheco. I think he should be in that range, right? So if you if you decide that Pacheco's the guy that you want, great. But right now, the rocket ship that Pacheco's on, like, I don't know, man, like, he might be going inside the top 10 rounds. Um, he's already around 10 pick right now over at the FFPC. Um, you know, someone posted the other day that in a main event, like he went in round five or six. Like, so I, I don't know where the ceiling is for Pacheco as far as what his ADP is going to be. Um, but that obviously would be way too high for me. I had someone uh, tweet at me like a Photoshop news story where it was Isaiah Pacheco's head over someone. It was like, man, jumps. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco runs in the burning building and saves like five babies. If you if you're out there 
you, I'm talking to you listening to this podcast right now. If you are at all good at Photoshop and want to send me any sort of hilarious Isaiah Pacheco meme stuff, I will retweet it at iHeartits. Let's make Isaiah Pacheco. Let's just keep the, keep the hype going, Joanne. I want Isaiah Pacheco to be going ahead of Clyde Edwards-Alaire by the time week one comes around. You know, let's just embrace, let's just embrace it, even though it doesn't make too much sense. All right, let's talk some tight ends. We have a quick moment of silence here. All right, Dwayne, you're moving Alberto down. You said it yourself. Let the people know why. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the talent profile and everything's still there, so that doesn't change. Um, but you just you can't. You, he can't be the centerpiece. I I actually did an update today on my tight end uh, draft strategy article, and if you had read it before in the late round, like he was it, like he's the centerpiece. He's the guy that you've got to get. When I say late round, late rounds, like I'm talking um, rounds twelve and thirteen, you know, of your drafts. And so I moved him out of that this morning. I'm moving him, you know, down the ranks. If you get him in a deeper draft and you get him later, I think it's still fine. There's a pathway there for Albert Okwabunum to still, you know, see 60, 70%, you know, of the routes. And he could surprise us in week one and do that. However, all the data points that we've got as they add up, like you have to react, right? First, it was Dulcich, you know, in round three. And that wasn't enough just because I'm like, okay, well, fine. Dulcich is going to play. But Okwabunum is still going to run far more routes than what he did last year with Noah Fant, right? So I could justify that, you know, because the talent profile was there. Well, then then we start hearing the fact that, well, Okwabunum, you know, he's struggling a little bit, right? We're hearing some negativity from the beat writers. Then the next thing we get is the first preseason game. He comes out there. He was only on, he played the entire first half, number one, while the rest of the starters all got to sit. Um, he was only in a route on 30% of the dropbacks. So they were making him stay in and block. They weren't leaving him on the field. And then something that you talked about earlier in the offseason actually also came into fruition, which is, you know, you have uh, Green Bay coaching staff coming over with Nathaniel Hackett. You had the uh, Mercedes Lewis, you know, got to be out there in 21 personnel, uh, heavy personnel type stuff because he's the blocker. He's the guy that if we decide to run the ball, like he's going to blow up the linebacker. Well, that's Eric Tomlinson in this offense. And you mentioned that as being a possibility. And he was out there. He handled all the 21 personnel snaps. And so uh, it's, it's just, man, it's too much now. It's just too much. Now Now we've got all of the, you know, we talk about the steady drum beat a lot of the times around the positivity. Well, it can go the other way. Maybe we call it, you know, the clashing, you know, of, of a tambourine or something. I don't know <laughs> what would be more negative, <laughs> um, but it's all been bad for Alberto, right? Basically, since uncovering his data profile and saying, like, look at this player, no offense traded, that was like the peak for Alberto. Every other piece of information since that moment has been bad. And so I can't just sit here with blinders on. I have to move him down. And don't confuse us with this, like, all right, now let's draft Greg Dolchich. Like, I, we're probably just not going right. to want anything to do with this tight end room. And yes. that's, you know, what we got to be careful with in the preseason. Uh, Jawan Johnson playing ahead of uh, Adam Troutman. That doesn't mean we should draft Jawan Johnson. It means, like, definitely don't draft Adam Troutman <laughs> and continue to not draft. Just don't draft a Saint tight end. Exactly, exactly. Except Taysom Hill in the right format. But that's a story for another day. Two more negative uh, impacted tight ends. Definitely Seattle Seahawks tight end Noah Fant rotated with Colby Parkinson. While, yes, high-priced starter, apparently, Will Disley got the rest. Once again, not expecting good passing efficiency. And if Fant's going to have to split any time, which is sure is looking that way, it's just going to be tough for him to meet value. Really just feel free to bury him in those tight end two ranks at this point. Mike Jasicki, it's an interesting one, Dwayne. 
Everyone in the industry seems to be pissed off that he's not getting the slot and wide snaps. I would love if Mike Jasicki can be running routes against linebackers and safeties instead of cornerbacks. I don't have a problem with that. We just want him to be out there on the field. I don't care if his hands in the dirt. I don't care if he's standing up out wide. Only ran a route on 63% of the snaps. And just like Albert O, the Dolphins are basically resting all their starters, but they still have Mike Jasicki out there anyway. So I'm not out on Mike Jasicki. Honestly, I've been getting more shares of him than I have all offseason recently because he's just going in like the final round or two of a lot of these drafts at this point. What did you kind of make of Jasicki's route rate? And is this some, it's not the best kind of data point, but let's just see what happens when they actually have Tua and those guys out there. That's kind of my takeaway right now. Yeah, the route participation is worrisome, but like for me, if he can stay on the field and heavy personnel, so 21, like when you've got a fullback out there plus a tight end, I think it actually opens the door for a more significant role for Gasecki. So like this one to me, I'm just kind of hanging around. I'm neutral on it. I think he's still a mid-range tight end too. Um, you know, his, his talent profile hasn't been great, but it also hasn't been bad. Like it's above average. So he's a player that actually like, while a lot of people are thinking this is negative, like I'm kind of looking at it. I'm like, well, I mean, our main concern was Miami was going to use all of these heavy formations and he just wouldn't be on the field. Yeah. Well, at least he's out there. Right. And so I think there's going to be potentially an opportunity where this turns into a positive thing and who knows, maybe they're maybe, you know, and again, it's preseason coaches do, they're looking for very specific things. They could just want to see him block. They're like, Hey, we just want to see if you can do it. And then all of a sudden, if they decide that he can, to me, this could open up more for Gasecki. So it's not something right now where I'm overreacting to, I'm actually fine with it. I think it could end up being a positive, but you know, we'll have to monitor it oh, real quick on, on fan. Like, yeah. Colby Parkinson basically, I think, played the Will Disley role, uh, and they they rested Will Disley, and Colby oh. Parkinson was playing his role. But at the end of the day, it's still bad, like yeah. because now right. Noah Fant was only around fifty five percent. Like I'm like, just I'm like, you got to be kidding me! Like fifty five percent, like when you don't even have DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett out there, like, and you're trying to evaluate your quarterback, you know, and Geno Smith with the starters. Like, what does that tell us about Fant? Do they just think he sucks? Like I don't know. You see some of those Drew Lock throws though. Kid put, kid put some good tape out there, Dwayne, with the mainstream media. He's always media. putting out good tape. <laughs> mainstream media refuses to address it. All right, we did have three positive tight ends, though. David Njoku, 100% snap rate with the starters. Harrison Bryant still out there will be involved, but that's what we basically need for Njoku. The problem is that haven't gotten the Watson update yet, but I don't know about you, Dwayne. I am expecting Watson to miss at least half the season. Wouldn't be surprised if it is in the 12 to 16, 17 game variety as well. So, hey, Najoku, every down roll, great. Jacoby Brissett experience is not going to be so great. Also at Jacksonville Jaguars, tight end Evan Ingram. Guys, we don't, we snaps and routes correlate, but routes are 100% more important than snaps. So when we see 64% snap rate for Ingram, the 77 route rate is far better. Dwayne, you, you quiz me on this like every freaking week when we're doing the when we're doing the Sunday review. 80% routes. That's the magic number we hit. We need to hit. Ingram's pretty close. And we also did see New York Giants tight end Daniel Bellinger play 100% of the snaps with the starters. Ricky Seals-Jones wasn't out there. I'll be honest, I just usually dismiss most day three players, particularly day three rookies tight ends um so looking at his prospect uh, profile now Dwayne shout out playerprofiler.com always love just getting their quick uh hitting snapshot of players I mean we're looking at a player that can run here a little bit his best comparable is Foster Moreau someone we have seen have decent stretches out here 75th percentile spark x athlete Daniel Bellinger no like don't draft him still unless you're in a super deep league and all that but he's I, some... I in premium 20 rounder I think there we he's go fine I That's think he's fine. A fine uh 
last round pick, you know, Kentley Platt on Twitter, you guys can check him out, but you know, he does the raw scores, the raw athletic uh, stuff, 9.63, third highest for a tight end. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> he's got an athletic profile. He's getting on the field. Um, I think there's worse things, right? Again, yeah. it needs to be like a 20 round draft tight end premium. I took Bellinger over the draft sharks invitational, uh, two weeks ago. It is a tight end premium super flex. Um, didn't get, didn't get a lot of tight ends that I liked early on. So I was, I had to throw I had to throw darts at the end of the draft and Daniel Bellinger was one of those. Overall thoughts on the Joku Ingram, you moving them up much? No, I, I, no, they're, they're right. The tier I have them in, like this just basically confirms where I have them, but it is a positive for Njoku. Your, your points, the, the best one, like it really all hinges on Watson, but at the end of the day, we wanted to see that he wasn't going to split this time with Harrison Bryant. And, they, and he didn't. Bryant did get on the field with the starters, but only when they went to 12 personnel. So I think that's positive for Njoku. And then just one general thought on the tight ends and receivers. I will take it a step further. Snaps do not matter at all. Just Ooh. don't even look at them for tight ends and receivers. All you care about are the routes per drop back. Like you want these players that are out there 80, 90. Receivers, you want 90%. Like that's really good, but 85% is doable. Tight ends, 80%, you know, is the magic mark. Like, like snaps are so misleading for receivers and and for uh, tight ends. Just like you can honestly throw them out. You do not need to know anything about them. You want to know about the routes. That's what you care about. For this season, Dwayne, if I reference snaps for wide receivers or tight ends, just cut me off. Tell me to shut <laughs> shut up. Make fun of me because I need to get Well, better. like if you don't know the routes, they're still fine because to your point, they typically correlate. They're, they get really tricky, though for tight ends for yeah. tight ends is where it's more tricky for receivers. It, it correlates more strongly the snaps to the routes. Um, so, I mean, and not everybody has route data, right. And, and some people don't want to pay for a sub and I get it like people are on budgets and stuff. So if you don't, and you're using, you know, you, you can use snaps, but if you've got access to the other kind of data or you can just listen to our podcast, like the routes are better. Amon Ross St. Brown. Yes, he did memorize all 16 receivers drafted ahead of him as motivation. And he can also <laughs> list off their colleges as well, which man, 16 wide receivers ahead of ARSB, the sun God himself. Hate to see it. That isn't the news, Dwayne, but you actually uncover something a little bit more important that we did see during the second half stretch of last season. Like that's kind of the, I guess the part that people miss in the Monra St. Brown breakout. Yes, the Swift and Hawkinson injuries made it more convenient for golf to force feed him. But Dwayne, there really was more of a usage change for Monra St. Brown relative to his role as a strict wide receiver. Right. And that was before all these other guys got hurt. Um, so Amon Ra, you know, we did our edition of, you know, we did our pod a couple of weeks ago about the number one question we want to answer in preseason for every team when we talk. And maybe we need to go back and actually redo that and just go through it and see if we have an answer nice. <laughs> you know, for each I one like of that. these. But Amon Ra St. Brown, the thing we said is, is he going to, is he just going to play in the slot? Because if there was a way to torpedo Amon Ra St. Brown's value, it would be only playing in the slot. And then we know Detroit's going to be multiple in their formations, right? They're going to use, you know, two tight ends. They're going to do some stuff where they want to come out, you know, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the kneecap biters, right? They're going to come out there and establish it on certain games. So we needed to know that Amon Ross St. Brown was also going to play outside, which would give him a path to staying on the field enough with the first string offense. He played a hundred percent of the snaps, including three snaps outside. He did kick inside when they were in 11, which was the primary personnel group that they used during the game. Josh Reynolds exited the game, um, you know, whenever they went, to the you know uh, more condensed sets where they wanted to get heavy, and Amon Ross stayed on the field, so that is huge. DJ Chark also played 100% of the snaps on the other side. My guess is even once we get uh, Jamison Williams back, 
I think that's going to hurt DJ Chark, not Amon Ross St. Brown. And again, this is a steady drumbeat thing, right? We saw what happened at the end of last year. Um, you know, he hit the 80.0 PFF receiving grade, the thing that, you know, when we read the list, it's the who's who, we don't need to rehash that again right now. But then we've got, you know, coming in, you know, to uh, the season. Yes, they did draft Jameson Williams, but then you hear from, you, you hear their coaching staff say, look, he's our offense. Like they've come out and said that, <laughs> you know, we've got Jared Goff who used to play with Cooper Cup, um, you know, supported top five season for Cup. We've got Jared Goff who has supported multiple top 24 and top 36 finishers as receivers, um, you know, or just passing, you know, options. So, I think there's so many things going for Amon Ross St. Brown right now. Like, man, he's just he's just one of my favorite picks in round fives of, of drafts. And sometimes you can still get him in round six. Cool. I just uh, I'm not shying away from Amon Ross St. Brown. And this is a big data point, in my opinion, that tells us we just keep, you know, we just keep on drafting him. If I'm not taking, you know, the quarterback or running back in round five or six, then you go to wide receiver and then you go to a Monra St. Brown. As we said, Dwayne, you know, any problem in your life, just draft a Monra St. Brown. It's going to make things better, at least to some respect. Kyle Pitts, I got our PFF projections pulled up right now. Here are the guys like next to Kyle Pitts in terms of like projected yards. Pitts is at 1,077 yards. We got Brandon Cooks at 1,081. Terry McLaurin, 1,099. Keenan Allen, 1,031. Michael Pittman, 1,076. This has been our allure for Kyle Pitts, Dwayne. It's when the right wide receivers and running backs go before him in round three. Now we're looking at a freaking monster tight end who has a chance to put up these same numbers and oh yeah the wide receiver two range is so freaking deep that we can probably just get a slightly lesser version of whatever wide receiver we were looking to target in round three when they inevitably fall to round four and we did see some interesting uses Dwayne that hopefully will make life even easier for Kyle Pitts get those projected touchdown numbers up as well yeah, so with Pitts, it's it's similar to what we just talked about with Amon Rice St. Brown. You know, in the episode where we said the one thing we would want to know from, you know, every team, the thing for Atlanta was, will they please? And I wrote a nice sweet letter to Arthur Smith, <laughs> dear Arthur Smith, on Twitter, you know, a few weeks a few weeks back, just saying, Hey, like, can we play Kyle Pitts as a tight end? Can we play him inside where he gets to match up against linebackers and safeties that just cannot match up with what Kyle Pitts can do? Guess what? First series, he lined up in line. Or from the slot, nine of ten snaps. He was only out wide one time. And remember, folks, last year, why this matters, only 51% of his targets were against safeties or tight ends. That was the lowest of all tight ends in the National Football League that ran at least 200 routes. Ooh. So while he has peers that are getting these really great matchup, you know, these matchups against, you know, the athletes that, you know, more fit like their size. Well, now all of a sudden you have a player that not only, you know, just matches you in size, but can just run by you. And so for me with Pitts, it's just uh, like this is absolute wills up. I think now his, uh, you know, and I, I, we talked about this on that episode. If Kyle Pitts moves inside, I think he finishes as the tight end one overall this season. So I just think, you know, wow, I'm totally in love with Pitts in round three. I'm, I'm almost to the point where I'm willing just to take him over any receiver going in that range because of what you just mentioned. I think he has the same upside as far as yards and touchdowns. And we get to play him at tight end, folks. We get to play him at tight end. It's just a huge advantage. That's a strategic advantage that you want to take. You know, you just you want to put it in your pocket, like and just run with it away from the draft. So, I love Kyle Pitts in round three. Um, I love Kyle Pitts. <laughs> we might get to the point where I just love Kyle Pitts at the end of round two. I don't know, but I, I mean, to me, it's really tough to pass on Pitts. Just love Kyle Pitts in general, and just love him. Let's just make that the title of this. Not Dwayne loves not Kyle that, Pitts. <laughs> not that there is anything wrong with that. Dwayne. Not All that there's good. anything wrong with that. <laughs> I got a couple. I got a couple boomer, uh, boomer. Uh, oh my God, the word. 
what's the word I'm looking? Boomer references that I can still pull out of my pocket from time to time. Join. There we go. Last one here. We would be done by now, but Dwayne called my ass out. We were slacking. <laughs> we we're setting up the show. I said I want to try to get this around an hour. I know we could talk for three hours about every team. We always can, but let's try to keep it important. And Dwayne's response to me was, imagine a world where a true Ohio State Buckeyes homer would rather talk about tight ends that don't matter over an explosive playmaking wide receiver who's playing inside and outside and has only not exploded so far because of injuries. No, we're not talking about Curtis Samuel. We're talking about Paris Campbell up there in Indy playing ahead of Alec Pierce in two wide receiver sets. We got Matty Isaac, quarterback. If they're going to throw the ball more, Dwayne, which seems possible with Matt Ryan there and some of the, you know, just the constant drumbeat we've heard from Indy throughout the offseason could mean that we get a bit more of a pass-first offense. We know Michael Pittman's the one. We could be looking at the number two pass game option in Indy in Paris Campbell. Yeah, I mean, that's it. He was out there uh, even whenever they went to 12 personnel. Um, so like what we talked about with Amon Ross St. Brown, that's what we want to see with Paris Campbell because the Colts could end up being a run-heavy team, right? So you don't want a player that's only going to be out there in 11 personnel whenever they're using all these multiple tight end formations. That would be a problem. That could mean you end up with like a 60% you know, routes per dropback or route participation rate at the end of the season, and it's going to be tough to hit any sort of value, especially you know if the team is running the ball often. However... If he's going to be out there all the time and we get slightly more, you know, passing and we talked about all the outs we talked about before, all of them, you know, or most of them anyway, with Naheem Hines, the tie to the Colts, all the same things are really true, right, for Paris Campbell. And, and look, Campbell's a guy that has flashed for us in the past. Um, he is a very athletic player. Um he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Does this guarantee that he's going to come through? No, but like he's free. He is free in fantasy football drafts right now. So even if you're drafting in a deeper league like FFBC, some of these other sites, Campbell's a guy you can get after round 15. You know, and I, I like him as a shot in round 16, as a shot in round 17. And again, if it doesn't work out, he gets hurt again, fine, we move on. But what are we looking for in those late rounds? We want upside, talented profiles. And I think that Paris Campbell, the only reason we don't believe he has it, is because of the injuries that he's had to deal with. And so, yeah, I, I think this is a big development for him. He's just got to stay healthy. And with that, we're on to preseason week two. Dwayne, what type of goodness you got at PFF.com for the lovely, loyal listeners this week? Yeah, so number one, you can go check out all the utilization notes for uh, week one of the preseason. I break it down for every team. I've got at least two to three key takeaways. A couple teams where there's only one. We just didn't see enough starters, so I'm not going to waste your time and make you read words just to read words. But, you know, try to make it snappy, Ian. You know, it's all bullets. Every damn thing in here is just a bullet point. I'm pretending all of you are CEOs and you don't have time to read, you know, uh, you know, a million, you know, word letter, you know, from Dwayne, like you don't care. You just want the bullet points. And so that's the way the article set up. So, Hey, normally it's a 10,000 word article. I got it down to 5,000. I'm going to try Ooh. to get it even less, you know, as we move forward. But for right now, like I, I'm going to, I feel good like getting it down <laughs> to where it's at for right now. Um, but then also I'm updating all of my draft strategy uh, articles. So when we talk about what's the plan for quarterback that got updated today, it'll be out tomorrow. Tight end will be out as well tomorrow. And then I will hit running back and wide receiver, obviously working over the ranks folks. You got to come check out the new tool that we have over at PFF. You got to come see it. And so updating all the ranks so that they'll reflect, reflect correctly in there as well as, help with the you know the the draft tool that you can have in there where you can guys can actually choose me you can choose Ian and it's basically telling you as you're going like hey you're in you're in round seven like here are the ideal targets for your team so got to make sure we've got everything um, you know in tip top shape so that as people are drafting oh, oh by the way folks it's free 
you can come try it. You get it for free for a week and you get everything with PFF plus for free for a week. Like it's just a no brainer. You got to do it. Gotten a few DMs and ads asking where our rankings are. This is where the PFF plus fantasy draft guide. That's where we're updating the analysis, updating the ranks, trying to give you the best overall, you know, to the freaking minute analysis that you can just have in the palm of your hands and go from there. Because as much as, you know, I hope that you take away a lot of great stuff from what Dwayne and I write and what we talk about. I know at the end of the day that, you know, you are going to want to just see some rankings and just, you know, remind your freaking self because it's tough to memorize this. And just the, again, the data that we're able to supply, I think just helps back everything up. We have our blurbs and to Dwayne's point, we do even have a draft strategy mode that lets you see our targets projected guys available and just overall rationale for when we're trying to take what positions so hey got some kinks in there we're still trying to figure a few things out improve it get better and better this is the worst it will ever be and i already think it's pretty damn good so can't wait to continue to grow it i tweeted out today Dwayne's gonna tweet something out tomorrow where we have the link directly to it so again try it free for a week the pff plus fantasy draft guide just trying to make it smarter and go win some freaking money playing fantasy football. What's better than that, Dwayne? I can't think of pretty much anything. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. <laughs>